0: It's not quite as closed door. All right, hey, thank y'all for being here. Um, I I kind of want to set the framework a little bit for our time together, and I just and I've I've heard all the jokes today that I'm gonna go to your possession, figure out how to pray, and all that kind of stuff, and I just kind of dispel those rumors from the very beginning. Like I was telling my friend Andrew when I got here, like, I don't really know how Brian found out. Brian Upshaw, find out what in the world God's been doing at First Baptist when he asked to come and and present today. And so I'm going to dispel any rumors that I am some form of expert on a perfectly articulate personal prayer strategy. uh, Certainly not, you know, some expert on on corporate prayer strategy. uh, And yeah, like it's really, really humbling to, to, to get asked to, to lead a, uh, a breakout session on prayer. It's, it's something we all grow in. Um, but I do think as it relates to disciple making, prayer probably is one of the most overlooked and underestimated um, aspects of disciple making because we, our hearts get captured and captivated by a, a nice graph or a trendy picture or a whiteboard session where we can strategize. Uh, But what we know about prayer and the truth of Scripture, um, when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, He means it. And so for us, prayer is a way that we can constantly, regularly, continually um, be dependent upon Him, uh, model dependence upon Him, and lead our people to be dependent upon Him. And so uh, what I have to share today is really a deep conviction that one of the things that we often miss miss most about disciple-making, or maybe overlook most in our disciple-making, is prayer. And so uh, my desire is to be more of a facilitator than a teacher, Um, and so I hope this will be very discussion-oriented. I hope to learn twice as much from you as you will from me. And so what we want to do is kind of walk through a few things together, discuss a few things together together, and in hopes that, that, that God will bring this together for you. So let me tell a little bit about my story about um, how God began to kind of reshape my heart towards corporate prayer. Um, about uh, two years ago, I was involved in a, a disciple-making cohort here through the uh, Baptist State Convention led by a guy named uh, Josh Reed. Uh, he's no longer with the State Convention. He's now serving a church in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, but he was the uh, evangelism and, and discipleship kind of coordinator, consultant. Um, and he put together a cross-section of churches across the state, uh, put together some, church, uh, some coaches to help those churches. Andrew um, in the back is, was one of those co- uh, coaches in that uh, collective. Um, and then God really began, as we were trying to hammer out a, a disciple-making strategy for our church, um, God really began to, to do work in my heart um, about prayer um, and about corporate prayer Um, and how we as a church uh, might tend to miss some of the power behind uh, corporate prayer. And then after that that uh, collective ended, Andrew kind of became my coach in a lot of ways um, as we were seeing that through towards implementation. Um, And he helped me. I remember we shared a meal together. I even referenced an email that he sent me months ago with a long list of resources and directions for me to kind of consult and pursue And so God kind of used those guys and a few of the resources that they um, have kind of entrusted to me and and shown to me to help really awaken my heart uh, to the power of corporate prayer in general, uh, but very specifically and very narrowly, the power of corporate prayer in our disciple making efforts. Um, And so that's a little bit of, of my story and how I landed here. And here's what I know, like I know that you're seated in this room because you Care about prayer, Um, not just personally in your role, but I believe that you have a burden, probably because you're in this room, um, to lead your church in corporate prayer as it relates to disciple making. And so, again, I desire for this to be uh, discussion-oriented. I think that's helpful, especially after lunch, to keep us all awake. And so, um, I'm just going to ask the room this question, and we'll break up in smaller groups for other questions later on um, in, in the session. But uh, regarding corporate prayer, who or what have been some of the most influential people, uh, books, maybe a sermon you've heard, a conferences, a conference you've attended, um, anything that's been formidable in your heart and mind that led you to this place today, or anything y'all want to share?
1: Yeah, uh, I'll tell you. I probably like a lot of folks in here, reading the works of like E.M. Bounds mm. and Andrew Murray yeah. were always great, but then. I attended a conference up at the Cove with, um, basically, the whole idea of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, you know, when mm-hmm. you up there with Jim Stumble, yeah, he fresh talked wind, fresh fire. night yeah. prayer service, and he made it pretty clear, because it was a pastor's conference, that nothing good happens with them on Sundays that doesn't start on Tuesdays Amen. With prayer, and it just sort of stoked the fires for me to be a little more intentional yeah. with the prayer service. Yeah. You know. I
0: remember reading Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire in seminary, Southeastern. Yeah. Um, real real formidable. I actually went back and consulted that book last summer when I was uh, working through some of this stuff again. Um, other things y'all would share?
2: I'm doing a discipleship group with um, young guys and we're using Experiencing God. Oh, yeah. And it's just so much of it is about prayer, mm-hmm. knowing the voice of God, hearing His will, joining Him where He's at work. And and prayer is what started that group. And this, it is wonderful to see God awaken yeah. young hearts and they're beginning to be purposeful in their prayers. Mm. So for me it's just a natural to come to see how to further shape that yeah. in their young life that will grow the church through their yeah. those prayers.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Experiencing that's good stuff. Don't we don't, Whitney don't Whitney. the Bible. Yes. Southern Southern, yeah. Yeah. More than our with
3: us, with God. So that's good. I was interested in corporate prayer here
1: today.
0: Yeah. So yeah. What, what what is your or what is the group's focus on right. corporate prayer as part of the side Yeah, yeah. That's
3: good. DA Carson's praying with Paul was good for me. Praying
0: with Paul. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Brother in the back. Yeah. Just recently we read
2: one um, called Compelling
0: Community. Uh, yeah. There's yeah. just a chapter in there on prayer. Yeah. That one just was really helpful. Yeah. Um,
2: just thinking about how we don't do that at our congregation. Mm-hmm. So just the, looking at this particular
4: session being wow, well, as a pastor, we're going to be about prayer and we
0: work. Yeah, yeah. You're getting ahead of me a little bit. Yeah,
4: yeah. I, uh I, I really appreciate uh, the impact that uh, Dr. Chris Schofield, who was over at the Office of Prayer, mm-hmm. spiritual awakening for the uh, back state convention, yeah. and, and those that have uh, that know Chris and have been around him, uh, you would have to admit that the passion that he had for prayer mm-hmm. and, and bringing God's people together in prayer, mm. and uh, and I'm so indebted to so many of the opportunities that he created across the state. Over the years, yeah. that brought us together for opportunities right. of prayer, and you could sense that that was a movement of discipleship. Because as we were having opportunities to come together praying, whether that be in person or conferences or uh, telephone conference conference calls, you know, the more you prayed together, you could just sense that spiritual growth and development. Yeah, and and there was just that, just that progression. Yeah, and I, I just contributed a lot of that too. Or I attribute a lot of that to yeah. his
0: passion for prayer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, y'all can't answer anymore because y'all are getting ahead of me. Y'all going <laughs> to be done with this thing early. So, And this is all good and right. And for me, it, all these, and reading the books in seminary and like as a pastor, I, I, I feel like for us uh, to be committed to prayer in our own corporate lives, having our own you know private prayer lives that's vibrant and healthy um, is very, very important. Um and I would say necessary uh, for you, I would say, not to be a pastor, but for you to be a Christian. Um, and so for us, as we start compounding these things, and then we get to a point where we're, okay, well now we have to lead an entire church with this emphasis and with this focus. It takes on a whole different layer of complexity. Um, so going back to the cohort a little bit. So we developed a disciple making strategy for us at First Baptist in Rocky Mount. We called it. Um, then our neighbors and nations disciple-making strategy. We identified three components. It looked good. It was trendy. It was flashy. It was catchy, and we were going to train our people in prayer, care, and share. And we kind of saw these as as uh, maybe maybe at fault at the time as too linear. Um, so you get from one to get to the other to get to the other. Um, And as we started training and equipping, uh, we got to this prayer session and we had an entire month as our church devoted to it and training around it and prepping our people for it. And we got about three fourths of the way through it. And our hearts were just in turmoil over this, just uh, alive with all that we had to learn and to grow and kind of came back as as a staff team and says, guys, we just have to kind of park it here for a little while. Um, And that was almost a year ago. And uh, we're just now kind of catching a, a glimpse of, I would say, I don't say moving beyond prayer, but like taking prayer and mobilizing that in the form of care, like we thought we were just going to jump right into a year ago. And along the way, uh, I think one thing that I've, I've learned is, is this, that disciple-making strategies are birthed in prayer closets, not in whiteboard sessions. Um, you can strategize all you want to. My breakout this morning was awesome. Um, It was very helpful for me as a pastor to think and strategize and figure out how we need to accomplish this. Um, But let's be clear about something. like If God does not birth this in your heart as a leader, whatever capacity that you have in your own church, it doesn't matter what you strategize. Um, It needs to be birthed by the power of God and the truth of His Word. And so as we began to regather at First Baptist from COVID, one of the the major shifts that we made, and we, uh, like my brother in the back, We have a rich history using experiencing God for years as our church. Um, That's before I came. Um, And so they had the idea of a prayer meeting and a prayer service. Um, And traditionally, traditional uh, Southern Baptist Church, that was Wednesday night. We had a fellowship meal at 5, and we sat around the tables and prayed for an hour. Um, And one of the things that we pivoted, just to bring emphasis to, was as we came back from COVID, um, I would say a little bit like Brooklyn Tabernacle, but we wanted to make... um, this might just be semantics, but we wanted to transition from a prayer meeting to a prayer service. Um, and what we found in that is it was, it's been a beautiful thing. It's been a challenging thing. It's been a rewarding thing. Um, I wish that I could say that our attendance was bigger than it was when it was a prayer meeting, but that would be a lie. But I believe, uh, much like Brother Jim says, the heart of our church is vibrant and beating in our Wednesday night prayer service. Uh, What I told them last week is like, listen, we have, uh, we're not a massive church. We have probably around 400 active members. And I would say on a given Wednesday night, depending upon people's schedules, we're between 50 and 70 adults that gather for that prayer service. Um, And what I believe with all my heart is this, that our weekly worship services, uh, for a lot of reasons, some of them as an indictment on myself, I don't think they really uh, scare Satan. Right, I think we have a lot of people who just sneak in casually, out of uh, maybe conviction to make mommy and daddy happy, not out of conviction to worship the Lord. And so, although our number is much larger on Sunday morning, um, I'm not sure that's really a, a threat. Um, but I really do believe that when we gather together in prayer on Wednesday night, that we really have Satan like shaking in in his boots. Like I believe we're tapping into a power that's that's not our own, that we cannot manufacture, that we cannot create. And it's, uh, so much of this is based upon what y'all have already shared. And I, I really do believe, um, just in general, if you look back at your own church and at my church and just the way that churches have progressed, um, is that far too often we, as leaders, have given our churches a boring picture of what prayer is. And I think that's our fault as, as pastors, as leaders in the church. Um, and to kind of follow that up, like I, I think the reason that many do not come to prayer meetings or prayer services or prayer emphasis is not because they're not impressed with you. Um, if we're honest, I think it's because they're not too impressed with God. And that's not an indictment. I think as, a, as the heart of a shepherd, like as the heart of a pastor, that frames the way that we preach. It frames the way that we love. It frames the way that we care uh, for them. And just a couple of principles, uh, scriptures that, that have already been uh, mentioned today uh, to keep everyone awake. Oh, I forgot this. For me, this, this quote was huge. And as we were getting our prayer journey, that faith, this is Martin Luther King Jr., faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. It's like in our disciple-making strategy, I had no idea how we were going to get to the end goal. Um, but I knew that it had to begin in prayer. And so to take that first step in prayer, not knowing the full extent or the full capacity or even what it would look like, I think that's a faith that honors the Lord. And it's built on biblical principles. Somebody read uh, that for me, please. y'all see that? Yeah. Somebody read that.
2: But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word.
0: So we've heard this, right? You know, Acts 6, uh, we love this as pastors because it's when deacons were set aside to help us out. Um, but I think we miss it sometimes, right? I'm not saying uh, word order is everything, but I'm also not saying that word order is nothing. Um, so the, the pastoral calling that the apostles were trying to protect was what? The ministry of prayer and ministry of the word. And we know this is a balance between public and personal, a private and corporate but there is a devotion that should come out of our hearts and lives as it relates to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Another familiar text that's helpful, I think, for framing this is Hebrews 4.12. Will someone else read that?
1: For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Hebrews 4.12. Thank you.
0: Thank um, We've heard this verse before. I believe it was Robbie Gallaty. He makes a really convincing argument uh, regarding Hebrews chapter four, verse twelve, where he talks about when he says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. He makes the argument that that two-edged sword is a reference back to Acts six four, that the double-edged sword that we hold as pastors, that the word of God is alive. And active is the ministry of the Word and prayer coming together. Um, now, hermeneutically, that's a tad bit of a stretch for me um, in my own study, but powerful imagery nonetheless. Because I think what we see here is we treat the Bible as living and active, and corporate prayer for us is the gathered church praying together. So yes, we, we pray with our wives, we pray with our families, we pray at home. And we pray in our study, we pray in our sermon preparation, and that's all well and good and necessary. But where I really want to focus our time today is, is corporate prayer. What, what does the church pray together for? Uh, I believe this is both fixed and flexible. I believe like any healthy rhythm in the life of your church, it should be on the calendar, and yet it should also be free to be spontaneous. This past fall, one of our senior adult leaders at our church after one of the Wednesday night prayer services that was particularly moving, uh, came up to me. He said, Luke, I'm going to start something if it's okay with you, is what he said. And I was like, oh gosh, what are we getting into? He said, I want to get a group of men together and pray that God would fill our sanctuary with people who are not in church anywhere right now. Yeah, you can start that. And so what happened is, is he just God impressed it upon his heart and life, and he just started that. And so for a few weeks, him and some men got together and they prayed over every seat in our sanctuary that God would fill them with people who don't know Jesus. That kind of phased off during the holidays and it hasn't picked back up in the new year. But that wasn't wasted. Like, that was not a failure. The Spirit of God sparked something within a member of our body and He was obedient to do it and to lead it. And I didn't have to touch it. Why? Because the Word of God is living and active. It moves. It moves. Uh, one of the things that our church has started, uh, even before I came a- as pastor, when they were searching for a staff a member, um, they produce a weekly prayer guide. And they encourage um, the church, everyone, to set an alarm on their phone for noon every single day. Um, and that alarm dings and it goes off. And that they, the church asks that the body gather at, at noon every day to pray for our pastor who's coming that we're searching for. Um, so when we're not searching for a pastor, we're not praying at noon. That's not wasted. That's good and right. It's a healthy rhythm and routine. And so to that end, let's spend a couple moments. Um, this is where we'll spend most of our time together today, kind of assessing our current reality. So a few questions um, here might be helpful. Um, let's do this just to make it move around a little bit. Y'all stand up and grab a person or two and answer this question. What are your current prayer rhythms in your church? Y'all stand up and answer that with somebody, and I'm going to figure out if we can turn on the air conditioning. Air conditioning. Do y'all have control over the thermostat? <laughs> I don't, but I can find somebody that. <laughs> no, it's fine. We'll we'll just leave the door cracked. That's good.
1: Okay. You Oh, we
4: passed.
1: I think
2: your life more with you. you
1: I Wait, but you free code. <laughs> I'm about 10 years ago,
4: just yeah. going to the... That's to that to try the going and to the worship so And so uh, uh, we for the We inserted a prayer of and asking the years of we for the numbers. And then we inserted in the worship time prayer for the 25th
2: that's what uh, I don't know how do about.
4: a of I I don't know I think right way I think right way I
1: think right way so it's a special bird you to
2: be like a bunch of to be like just direct
0: got it all figured out yeah you know
1: you need me to finish teaching for you
0: all right if i can have your attention uh, y'all stay where you are i got one more question for you to answer so think in the in the context of your worship services so in your worship services when do you pray and what do you pray for so a few more minutes there and then we'll we'll come back together
2: Are
0: you good? Yes, please do. I asked them to turn down the air, but they said they weren't sure how. So, Jim,
3: you might. There's a ministry called Saturate. USA.org. Okay. It's a gentleman who has millions and millions of dollars of materials that he's trying to distribute. He wants to reach every single home in America. Okay.
0: Okay. And so his name is Phil
3: Kahn. But here's why I was going with that. At the very end, you could say, now, many of you have been praying in your churches. I'm, I'm going to give an answer to prayer requests, probably of everybody in here. Yeah. Many of you have been praying what's a way that we can impact our community or have yeah. presence in our community? Look up Saturday. Okay. Will you share
0: that at the the end? I would love to because I'm gonna ask for resources that we can share together. Now just if you just share that, that that would be very helpful. I would love to. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah, uh
2: huh. But then, uh, yes. then uh,
3: like about cuz you the I mean we, we have so
0: all right if y'all would make your way back to your seats real quick man y'all are awesome you know when you ask a group of people you don't know to discuss something you're not too sure how it's going to go I'd much rather have to wrangle y'all to be quiet than to wrangle y'all to say something. Hey, so y'all share a couple of things that was encouraging with, with me. Maybe uh, think outside of maybe uh, traditional church answers. Did anybody hear something outside the box? That uh, Let's start with the first question. So uh, what are some of the prayer rhythms of your church? Anyone share something that was outside the box you think would be encouraging for the group? We start
2: our worship... Know? Sunday, well, before worship, our active and inactive deacons and pastors gather in a room mm. before Sunday school or anything and just pray for that day. Pray for awesome. what God's going to do. Ask God to do the service. That's good. Um, empower things in the lives of our people. We share some prayer needs, but a lot of us is just focused on praying for someone to be saved mm. um, and for opportunities to share our faith.
0: That's, that's great.
2: And that's been a really, it's been a wonderful
0: that's awesome.
1: I think it's outside the box that
0: Charlie, next to me here, shared how they actually incorporated prayer into their worship service. Yeah. And different different aspects of prayer into the worship yeah. service. That's not just like a, a pastoral prayer, right. or but
4: actual prayer. <laughs> Charlie,
0: will you share a, a little bit about that?
4: Well, uh, very briefly, I, I, I was telling them about 10 years ago, we just reformed our our worship because we, we were very man-centered. We wanted we felt God convicted us to make it God-centered. Mm-hmm. So the elders, we got together, spent a lot of time praying about that. And so instead of the typical pastoral prayer, you know, sick and shut-in, we intentionally devised our worship to include, to begin with, a prayer of praise and thanksgiving mm. at, right at the beginning of the service. And then later in the service, then we inserted an intentional prayer of confession Mm. corporate confession, and, and, and we give mm. people a chance to confess their sins and, and uh, focus on that. And then a little later in the service, we have prayer supplication, we bring kingdom needs and, and missions needs, and, and yeah. get down to the sick and shuttings, that type of That's great. And, uh, addiction. and I think that's helped our people really understand the significant role of prayer in worship.
0: Yeah, We've started tinkering with that, not nearly as, as advanced as you are. But when we talk about it, we talk about wanting a healthy diet of prayer. Uh, I think sometimes we just give them meat and potatoes, right? Uh, but as we think about our diet as humans, especially in the context of a worship service, we need to make sure we're not just saying the same thing seven times at seven different places in the service. That's good. That's a good encouragement. Any, anything else? Yeah?
3: Answering this one specifically, like in the rhythm, yeah. rhythm, rhythm, sorry. That word. We got it. Rhythm. rhythm. In our worship services, uh, one thing we do service is we've got a rotation for this people is we pray for our neighbors near and pray for our neighbors far mm. so that deals with our particular church vision statement um, but it's you know we've got a list like we pray for this particular <coughs> neighborhood that's in our community wow.
0: one week and we pray for that's great. In Afghanistan or whatever you know. That's great. And then
3: each week it rotates and we have different people, different leaders that are doing that. That's great. And for me personally, I mean I'm the worship leader, so I mean I've enjoyed having that in our services. Um, but for me personally it's helped me leave the church service, leave the family gathering with that in my mind. Yeah. Instead of internally, more externally. Yeah.
0: So that's kind of That's great. That's great
3: groups.
2: With our church, we
0: do pray through Operation World. Okay. I yeah. Yeah. About them, read, been yeah. About these yeah. That's great. There's tons of great tools out there. We're actually going to get to some uh, at the end of our time just to share um, ones that have been helpful for me, but also want to give you all the opportunity to share some prayer tools that are helpful for y'all. I think as it relates to prayer and a lot of things in ministry too, like the more tools you have in your, in your toolbox, the variety of projects you can build and, and the variety of things you can do together. So I hope that's one of our, our things we'll accomplish together today. Uh, so let's take those things we just shared and take a step forward um, and to the, the focus of this gathering on this Tuesday, which is disciple making. And so um, let's just answer this. Or, or Actually, how about this? Y'all just think about it for a minute and tease in your mind the um, theoretical answer And the practical answer, right? So in your head, what answer do you know to be true? But in the practice of your life in church, what does that look like? Y'all think about that for a minute and then we'll, we'll discuss that. What I'm I'm trying to tease is this. I I trust uh, we all, Lord willing, pray for lost people by name every day. I hope that captures our heart. Um, I hope we as pastors, we pray for new believers by name every day. Um, I hope we pray for the leadership of our church by name every day. but does our church do that together, right? So we are the body of Christ, many members, one body. We come together. Um, and so, yeah, we as individual members need to be praying for things that are about that, that are, uh, that we're aware of as individual members. But also, like, what, what is our church praying for? Um, and again, it goes back to the picture of disciple making. So what role does corporate prayer have in disciple making? I love the ways that some of your churches are weaving this into corporate worship. Um, but is there a space in the life of your church um, to really plead with God uh, for some things that might take an entire worship service? Um, When's the last time your church has spent an extended period of time praying corporately for the salvation of one person? There's a guy in our church, he's he's the neighbor of one of our members, and there's a group of them that ride bikes together, uh, like road bikes, um, every morning, and they've been pursuing this guy for about five years in super intentional relationship. And he started to show a little bit of bud, of fruit, and desire for the things of God um, and deepening those relationships. And those men have gathered together intentionally outside of the normalcy of life to pray specifically for that person by name. I think, and it goes back to what I said earlier, like without prayer, in disciple making, we are relying upon our own strength to organize and not God's strength to transform. Like if, if disciple making is transformative work, then there's only one person that has the power to do that. And so as we started walking through this at First Baptist Rocky Mount, like we tried to draw the distinction between this is not original to me, but a church that prays and a praying church. Like in sentence form, those two things might only be a few words apart. But as it relates to God's power, they are worlds apart. Like, we don't just want to be a church that prays for a particular prayer request. Uh, We want to be a church. We want to lead our church to to, to pray with the power of God collectively, corporately, together. Because if this is discipling work that we're giving ourselves to, and if discipling is helping us look more like Jesus, helping us grow to look more like Jesus, then it is good for us as a church, whether that take the, the, the form of your Sunday school classes, Uh, your small groups, or a a Wednesday night prayer service, um, to take that time as a church and pray in earnest towards something together. This question rocked my world about a year ago. And it's this, if, if God answered every prayer that your church prayed this week, how many people would come to know Jesus? And I think we probably should internalize that question first, right? If God answered every prayer that you prayed this week, how many people would come to know Jesus? And I think the temptation is we, it's not that our, our prayer lives as, as as a corporate church um, are not there. I think they might just be too narrow in their focus, right? They need a holistic approach. Uh, another way to ask that that we've we've kind of incorporated on, on our, some of our prayer services is this, that What are you asking God to do that only He can do? Like so many times in our life, in our church, in our ministries, in whatever role you play in leadership, we ask God to bless what we're already doing. Don't we? Like when's the last time you as a person, as a Christian, as a man or woman of of faith, a daughter or son of the king, ask God to do something that only He can do? And then take that a step further. Like in our, 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 our corporate prayer times, like in our church, as we're, Praying in the context of Sunday morning or in our small groups. Like, are we praying prayers of God's blessing on our predetermined activities? Or are we giving Him permission to take and reframe and reorient all that we're doing? Because one of the things that I've discovered in, in, in my personal prayer life in leading our church is this, that as you lead in prayer, you are uncovering your heart for your people to see. So for the pastors in the room, And I believe as we lead our our church in prayer, whether it be on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or in your small group with families of your church, like literally we are taking the heart out of our chest and holding it up before our people and letting them watch our heart beat. And I think sometimes what we say or don't say in in our prayers is a sad indictment on what our hearts really believe. When you read in, in Scripture, we see prayers of faith and the way that God answers and the way that God uses them. And I think in, in, for us, thinking through context and context of particular churches, like we think, man, like God doesn't answer prayer like He used to. Like how many people has God healed in your church? Like how many people have received a chemo treatment? Like you think that's not a miracle? Like how many people have had a successful surgery? Like you know like you can have a hip replacement and walk the same day? Like, that's correct. when my grandfather had a hip replacement, he was in the bed for two weeks. Like, we had a lady last week, she had a hip replacement, and she was walking at church on Sunday. Like, so it's not, again, it's not that our our prayers are inaccurate. It's just that they're incomplete. It's not that our prayer focus is uh, too simple. It's just, it's too small. And so what would happen if we intentionally stepped back and broadened uh, the perspective of our church's prayer list? Um, and, and, and to live in a way um, in our current realities that, um, that we would not just close our eyes to one way that God is working, but hope and see to take a step back and see all the ways that God is working. So let me take a few minutes here and we're going to take a, a deep dive into a couple of texts of scripture and then kind of give us some biblical principles, if you will, that I think frame a corporate prayer, a vibrant and powerful corporate prayer life as a church. Would someone read those? Can you see them up there? Not really, can you? That lighting's kind of bad. Can someone see that and read that?
2: Ask and it will be given to you, seeking you will find, knocking it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be open Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him?
0: Thank you for reading that. So, a familiar text of Scripture, um, and I, I don't. I would love to go through and walk through this uh, phrase by phrase and verse by verse. But I think this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter seven shows us a couple of things about God's heart and prayer. Um, if, if you're a parent, I think this will resonate all the more. Um, but I think as, as we kind of set these biblical principles for our prayers, um, we are surfacing our desire for God, um, our dependency upon God and our delight in God. I think God uses your individual prayer life to do that in your heart. Uh, but I think God uses the corporate prayer life of our church to do that corporately, holistically across our church, um, I remember uh, a couple months ago now, one of my daughters had to have some teeth pulled and very traumatic experience. She has a lot of dental trauma, so the dentist is not her favorite place to go. And so uh, for some reason, my wife had something, so I had to take her that morning. Not my favorite thing to do, but uh, I don't do well with all that blood and stuff. Um, But we went, and on the way home, it was before lunch, Uh, it was like 10 o'clock in the morning, and she said, hey, Daddy. Uh, My teeth are really sore um, and and they're still like hot from all the blood. Can we go get a milkshake? (laughs) And any father's answer in that moment, especially if you love milkshakes, is what? Yes, Yes, of course you can. Um, But you know what? In that innocence of her question, she looked at me and knew that I loved her. And I cared about what she just went through. And I had the means in my wallet to alleviate, to help to care for her in that moment of need. And it's in that childlike faith that I think when we're voicing our requests to God, as trivial, as meaningless as they might be in our own heart, what we have to realize is we are looking into the eyes of our Heavenly Father who chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. And we can look at Him and voice these prayers to Him in confidence, asking Him because He hears us but it doesn't stop there, right? Like he keeps on going there. That There's this dependency here. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Our girls love hide and seek. And there's something about that childhood innocent game and trying to find the best. Like our littlest daughter, I found her in the washing machine the other day. And yeah, exactly. Like, baby, you can't do that. Um, But that that seeking, that the heart, that I'm going to find that. Like, I just wonder, like, do we seek the Lord in prayer? Or do we just, ask Him of things and we get frustrated when it takes so long and we just take things into our own hands and then we sit back and we scratch our head at our baptism statistics or at how inward focused our church is. You see, we act like God just cares about the end result. God is looking at our heart as a church and our heart to be dependent upon Him as we ask and as we seek. And I love this the last couple of verses here that our Father... If a son asks him for bread, give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we will give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven good give good gifts to those who ask Him? Like I think for us, again, speaking specifically to the pastors in the room, it's our responsibility to connect our sheep to this promise. And the way that we connect them is to lead them to it to have them ask, seek, knock, have them desire God, to depend upon God and to delight in God, that we have a loving Heavenly Father who is giving us what we need. He's working for our best. And one, one, Real quick, I do want to chase one rabbit trail and give a little bit of a, of a pitch for a prayer service in your church. Um, how do we build this into the life of our church? Someone read these couple verses from Hebrews 10.
1: All
2: right,
0: thank you. So anyone, how did the New Testament church gather together? Go back to the book of Acts. How did they gather together? House to house. house, to house. Temple courts. Temple courts. And there were some components, some common components, if you go back to Acts 2. Uh, Preaching, teaching, breaking of bread, fellowship, prayer. Uh, Listen, and I'm not a New Testament scholar, but you can make a really good argument that the early church had two primary purposes in their gathering. One was the teaching of the Word, and one was the ministry of prayer. And now, granted, there were some other secondary things that took place, um, in those gatherings. But I think if you go back and you read the book of Acts, you can see the New Testament church was captured by these two corporate gatherings, by worship and prayer. And so regardless of how, uh, of the forms that they took as these churches were being planted, they were present. And so I think for us to be reminded and to be challenged, for some of you, your corporate prayer strategy needs to go through your small group ministry. For others, it might need to go through your Sunday school ministry. Others, it might need to be a, a, a separate weeknight prayer service. Um, but here's, I think, the, the, the encouragement that I would give as we begin to kind of wrap this up is this. Find a time where your church gathers to pray. Like that's the purpose, to pray. And I promise your attendance is going to be low and Satan is going to try and discourage your heart. But you plan that prayer service with the same intentionality that you, pray, that you plan your Sunday morning service. And you sit back and watch what God does. right? Because if we commit ourselves to this, this prayer service that we create is worthy of our investment. It's worthy of our structure. It's worthy of us spending time um, making it real. One of my favorite things that we do is is we try to move, and we're going to model this as we leave today. We try to move uh, throughout our prayer service. We're modeling different prayer postures, um, different prayer points it's interactive. It's not just you sitting in a chair for 45 minutes because the most attentive person in the world is going to have a hard time staying engaged. But we want to know that and, and, and plan that service in a way that our people are engaged. Why? Because in prayer, we access the power of God. We listen to the voice of God and we enjoy the presence of God. And as we think about our disciple making, like isn't this what we want for our Christian, like our, our, our church members, the Christians in our church? Like Isn't this the heart of disciple-making, that we want to access the power of God, listen to the voice of God, and enjoy the presence of God? Or as one person said it, to abandon prayer is to practice atheism. Now, I don't want to be a legalist, but I think if we were to look at the places in our church where we have abandoned prayer, it might not be so shocking the things that are discouraging to us. disappointments to us i want to spend a few moments and i want to share some tools that have been helpful for us at first baptist Um, and then i also want to turn this around on y'all and let y'all share some tools that have been helpful for y'all in your own churches so it's not i certainly don't have all the answers but um, one of the things and i think andrew actually introduced this to me um we call them at our church our Him Possible Prayers. I think it's a, originated, I believe, with uh, Michael Katz Church in Georgia. He just retired. I can't remember the name of his church. Um, but it goes back to, yeah, yeah I sure would. Um, it goes back to the, the, the principle of what are you asking God to do that only He can do? Um, what are you asking God to do that if He doesn't do, that you're sunk, that you have no hope? And so what we've done on Wednesday nights is we give out uh, big index cards. And, and we have them write these things. So my impossible prayer, top left corner, and then they'll, they'll write their prayer request. If it's a, a son or daughter who doesn't know the Lord or if it's a challenging work situation or a challenging health situation for a friend or a family member. And then we have them write the date, the date they ask that prayer. Um, so like if you filled out your card today, you would write Tuesday, February 22nd. And then you would write date answer and leave that blank. And we say that as we are having them fill that out, we're asking them to to fill that out in faith. Like one day God is going to answer this prayer. And when he does, my prayer card is going to have a slot for me to fill in the date. And so we take those prayer cards and we pass them around the church. And the cool thing is, on the back of their prayer cards, every single time, like me, Luke Lunsford prays for those cards. On the back of the card, I put my initials, LL. And we've passed these things around Wednesday night. We've passed them around deacons meetings. We've passed them around Sunday school classes where our church is gathering to pray impossible prayers, like things that cannot and will not happen if God doesn't show up and do something. I think that's probably one of the most transformative things that we have done. Uh, A second tool that we use, uh, you call it a lot of different names. At our church, we call it a prayer map. Um, It's called Oikos Map, if you're familiar with four-field stuff. Um, but in essence, we ask um, our church to put themselves in the middle and then on each side identify people in their life that don't know the Lord. So people that they are in relationship with who are not in relationship with God. That's a friend, family, coworker. worker um, Three of these guys up here I play basketball with on Thursdays. One of them is my neighbor. I'm um, in active relationship with them, and they are not in active relationship with God. So I'm praying for their salvation. Um, I'm praying for their transformation. Uh, another thing uh, is the old traditional prayer list. Like, listen, when we talk about uh, reforming and redeeming, like, listen, I believe redeeming the old prayer list is one of the most powerful things you can do in your church. To take the prayer list, we're praying for great Aunt Susie's niece who has surgery this coming Tuesday. Like, take those real concerns because someone in your church cares enough to call the church office and put them on that prayer list. So you take them and pray as if God's going to answer, but then you lift their eyes to see big-picture kingdom prayers and how these things fit together. They're not fighting against one another. Um, Another one, and this is kind of just fun, if I'm real honest with you, um, and that is redeeming the amen. How many of y'all, when you pray on Sunday morning, you say amen? How many people in your church say amen with you? Some? Some? To me, and this this is uh, original, or not original, but Mark Dever and his um, sermon at Southeastern was one of the ones that kind of brought this back to life. is one of the most powerful things that you can do in corporate prayer is get your church to say amen together. Amen. We know what amen means, right? Amen Amen means let it be so. That The church, in voicing that amen, is voicing agreement um, to that Anyone else want to share a couple prayer tools maybe that have been helpful for you?
1: Can I ask a quick
3: question? Yes. As anyone, as we've talked, uh, I think that uh, seek areas of encouragement in congregational prayer or staff prayer. What about redeeming prayers like when it comes to committee meetings, deacon meetings, that it seems like it is uh, refunctory? Yeah. But you see it catching on in other places, but maybe sometimes not in those, those places. Have any questions? Anybody found a way that
0: that's transformed? I'd certainly be open to y'all. I, I think a lot of it, if you're in those meetings, you can set the tone um, for that, uh, particularly in our deacons' meetings. And our deacons at First Baptist are good and gracious as it relates to prayer. Um, but again, it's one of those things that it gets casual in a hurry. Um, and I, think, uh, I think just finding a way to keep it fresh.
4: I believe if, the, if prayer is a passion in the heart of the pastor,
0: hmm.
4: naturally, hmm. Can't help but come out in the life of the church because yeah. wherever the pastor is, if he's going to the deacons' meeting, going into the building's and grounds meeting, and, you know, wherever he is, he's he's just going to break into prayer. Yeah, prayers become woven into the fabric of the church's life, and before you know it, some of the other leaders begin to imitate that. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're together. Oh, we need to pray. We should pray. Let's. You know, we're dealing with a problem. Hey, let's stop and pray about this. Yeah. So it just becomes <clears throat> as natural as breathing. Yeah. In, in the culture of the church. Yeah. Great, Andrew. I would, I would say the other thing too is start with prayer instead of finish, because normally in those meetings you have a certain cutoff time. So like if the cutoff time is seven thirty, it's I seven twenty-five. We got to pray. I would just start with prayer, and then you know you can do it different ways. You can start a <coughs> prayer script, or you can say you know hey this guy's going to pray for, the person, to pray for the person to their left. They're going to pray for person to their left, and just I mean we've been in meetings. Where it was supposed to be an hour meeting, we prayed for 45 minutes, and we got all the business that needed to be taken care of magically done in seven or eight minutes, and then we closed in prayer. And then it just changes the tone.
0: That's so good. That's I mean, real good. I
4: mean,
1: that's a good. That's good.
0: That's good. Yeah.
1: I would say also, you guys absolutely total agree, So I don't want this to sound like I'm, I'm saying anything contrary. But as a pastor, it's it's expected that I'm going to pray. Mm -hmm. But I've tried to help empower the other leaders to do, and some of this has nothing to do with me whatsoever. But like our deacons, you know, the, the deacon chair will open in prayer. Instead of always calling on me to do all the prayer stuff, these guys have kind of taken ownership. And then somebody's going to lead a devotional, and it's not me. And then that person's asked to pray later again. And so they've done this. It wasn't anything I did. They just sort of it, it kind of became something so you might encourage your deacon chairs to think through some of those things as well. Yeah, I had a prayer that I've been praying for two years answered. I
3: mean claiming John fifteen seven, mm. you abide in me and my words abide in you. You ask what you desire and I'll give it to you. And it's just an inward compulsion asking for a great awakening, a way to make an impact in my community, mm. to have presence in a church a church plant wanting to have presence. And I was introduced to a gentleman, I want to give this to all of you because it is going to be an answer to probably every single person's prayer in here, especially if you're a pastor, you're a leader, it's going to be an answer to one of your prayers. The name of the organization is saturateusa.org, saturateusa.org. The gentleman's name is Phil Kahn. I'm going to give you his phone number. Trust me, you want to write it down. I'm going to tell you what they're doing in just a moment. The phone number is 704-773-6451. He's a very prosperous uh, man of God. um, And his vision is to reach every single home in America with the gospel. And so he has been a very generous donor to many parachurch Christian organizations for years. And God laid this vision on his heart. And so you can go to that website you can claim your zip code and they will literally send you a plastic bag like this with the redigitized a lot of people are not aware of the jesus movie It's the widely most widely distributed movie in human history has been redigitized and uh it's got a children's version it's got the original version redigitized and it has one other version and it's written in eight i mean it's um, in eight languages but so i've claimed five zip codes already i'm i pastor, pastor grace and willow spring i've already claimed willow spring andrew lillington holly springs and carrie and so what they're going to do is they're going to literally send me there's i forgot how many thousand home there's nine thousand in andrew they're going to send me nine thousand of these bags like we got today coming in here already prepared with the Jesus movie, redigitized, along with the, 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 the four spiritual laws mm. and the uh, ways to grow in Christ in a booklet form for totally free. Wow. And then you put your church's information on here, and what they're simply asking is you go around, you prayer walk your community, and then you put your own literature in there from your church, and you leave it on the door. So you've got your people prayer walking, and you've got your people um, at least leaving the seed of the gospel there. When I first heard it, I thought it was too good to be true. (laughs) I've already hooked up Marty Dupree yesterday afternoon. He's already claimed five zip codes. They've already had another conversation today. He's going to present it to uh, uh, a meeting he's having there in the Little River Baptist Association. And a while ago, I hooked up David Burton from Florida uh, with this he's all over it trying to get included in that bag if you haven't ever heard of it his red dot presentation his life death card he used to be the evangelism director for florida but i, I appreciate you yeah. allowing me to take more time there's always that one that takes more time <laughs> than the others but i'm telling you yeah. how in the world can you pass up 9,000 um packets like this yeah, for free for your every occupied home yeah. in your zip code for free yeah
0: yeah it's insane Thank you for sharing I'll that with us. And
3: that number
0: and you'll see what I'm talking about. And I think this is helpful because there's no shortage of tools, right? And I'm an amateur, I'm a DIYer, so I get myself in a lot of trouble with house projects is what that means. But here's what I know is different house projects require different tools. And one of the things that you grow in over time as you do house projects is your toolbox grows and grows and grows. I think for us as pastors, our prayer toolbox needs to grow and grow and grow. Um, and we need to be aware of resources, using resources, utilizing resources uh, for different projects. I don't want to call people projects, but different emphases in the life of our church, so that holistically we're not just leading a group of churches and Christians who are praying. We are leading a praying church. A few thoughts as we leave. A couple of things God's done remarkable this past couple of years as we've wrestled through this at First Baptist. Um, one, and perhaps you've heard the quote from Billy Graham: "You cannot pray for someone." and hate them at the same time. God has used our prayer services on Wednesday night to give us a unity amongst the people who are present that I I tell them every Wednesday night we are charging hell with a water pistol together and I wouldn't pick anybody else but them. There's a spirit of unity there. I can't put my hand on it, but God has moved and worked in ways in our church that I can't even really put words on. And I'm not talking about baptism statistics or... Or things that are measurable necessarily like that, um, but I go back to the quote by Charles Spurgeon that prayer moves the hand that moves the world. Like in that mystery, like I don't, I don't get it, right? But if I can model that, if I believe that, if I live that in faith, then when we rally our church around that, not only is God gonna probably accomplish his purposes and plans, but he might shut yours down in the process because his are better. And prayer is that posture in which we don't just go to on Wednesday night that we live in as the people of God because it's helpful and beautiful dependency upon us. Robbie Galli tweeted tweet recently, said this, and I've wrestled with it because I'm not even sure if I believe it, but I think I do. But he said, you have as much of God as you want. Think about that. And you have as much of God as you want. And I believe prayer is the avenue in which we increase that desire. Say like this, corporate prayer is the rudder on the ship of your church. You can bring in an evangelist, you can have all sort of emphasis and focus, but I promise you God will do more in your church through a concerted prayer effort than any other effort you can invest in. As a pastor, I believe the two most beautiful sounds, and one we've seen or we are seeing a revitalization of congregational singing. There's nothing more beautiful than hearing your church sing together, Amen. except hearing your church pray together. Amen. And every single Wednesday night, big guy, big old sanctuary, small group of people. But that is one of the sweetest sounds in the ear of the pastor, and I trust in the ear of our Father, to hear a church gathered in utter dependence upon Him. I'll leave you with this quote. By Charles Finney, nothing tends more to cement the hearts of Christians than praying together. Never do they love one another so well than when they witness the outpouring of each other's hearts in prayer. There's something about praying together as a church that unites and ties our heart together. A few resources that were helpful for me, y'all have mentioned a ton. A few that I just want to put on a slide for you. Um, A few years ago, Nine Mark's, uh, Mark Devers' ministry, they did a conference at Southeastern on prayer. There's six or seven or eight uh, sermons on prayer, different aspects of it, uh, accessible through the Southeastern website. They're all really, really good. Um, Second, you might have heard of the book Old Paths, New Power um, by a guy named Daniel Henderson. A friend, Josh Reed, put me on to this. It is exactly what it says. That's amazing. We want new power, then we need to go back to old paths. What are old paths? Ministry of the Word and Prayer. There's power there. Uh, that website, 64 Fellowship, is Daniel Henderson's ministry. They have prayer guides, prayer resources, prayer things for you that are available. Um, Andrew put me on to this last podcast, uh, Replicate, which is uh, Robbie Gallaty's uh, Disciple Making Podcast, Season 4. He walks through. Um, an, an emphasis that they went through as a church that led to a revival in their church and he talks about the role that corporate prayer, a formal prayer service played in that journey. Um, I think it'll be encouraging to you. Um, one that someone would add to that list that you think is just worth us knowing before we leave today
1: There's a, another site similar it's called Bless every home Yes uh, yes at southeastern uh, turn me on to that Yes you just go to the website you put it in your church address and it plots a radius of your church and every day it gives you six or seven names of people to pray for. You can literally click that you prayed, it'll take it, then it'll another place you can click if you shared the gospel with them. You can then update and I love it. I've been using it for about three years now too.
0: That's great. That's great.
1: John Praying
3: High is an unbelievable yeah. book and prayer. Yeah. Souls being one.
0: Yes. There's tons of resources out there. Again, I'm not saying these are better. I'm saying we need to have a diverse toolbox. Um, Certainly,
4: the, the Carson went
0: on praying scripture. Praying scripture, yeah. And that's that. I, I was warning to end with that, but I, yeah. And it's I, I tell you the most powerful thing that we do on Wednesday is praying the Word of God together. Um, I don't mean like name and claim it way, but literally claiming the promises of Scripture for the people of God. That's what they're there for, to go back through them and, and reclaim them. Um, hey, here's my contact information. I don't want to have all the answers because I know I'm learning and growing too. Uh, That QR code will give you a form. Listen, if you want to email, create an email thread, maybe even a Zoom call follow-up after something like that, my desire is to keep this conversation going because I think if we're going to be a movement of churches on mission together, then we have to be a movement of churches praying together. And I mean my congregation, your congregation, our congregations together, And so I'm interested in in kind of seeing if we can develop something like that. I don't know what form or shape that'll take, but if you're interested in that, uh, give me your information via that QR code and we'll go from there. Um, Let's close in prayer if you give me one extra minute and then we'll be done. As we pray, would you ask God to increase your faith in your prayer life? would you touch the brother or sister beside you on the shoulder and pray that God would increase the faith of their prayer life God we ask that you would birth anew or revitalize an old a pattern of prayer a passion for prayer in our hearts. God so that we could live in a vibrant relationship with you. And Lord Jesus, so that we could lead our churches to experience the power of corporate prayer and disciple making. Lord Jesus, we remember the promise and prophecy you gave to Zechariah. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain. So Lord Jesus, we ask for the men, women, families represented in this room, the churches that we serve, that we love, God, would you make these mountains, these obstacles that are preventing our growth in our corporate prayers, God, would you remove them and make them plains so that we, your people, could experience greater and deeper intimacy with you. Lord Jesus, would you birth within us a love and desire for the things of you that is contagious to anyone and everyone we come in contact with or do something great for your name and your renown we pray in Christ's name amen thank you all for your time hey there you go that sounds a little bit better coming from Tozer I'm gonna I'm gonna change that slide.
4: Thank you, bro. Thanks, man. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I'm gonna step outside and get some air. They turned the heat on, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> I will tell Miss Doris and Carrie you said hey. Okay.
2: Cool.
0: Thank you, babe. Yes, thank you.
2: Good stuff, man.